Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast all about helping you navigate these hyper-sexualized times of ours so that you can have a love so divine that it only grows exponentially all the time. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about attraction. Sammy and I are having a conversation today all about where does attraction come from. And this is crazy because something that affects pretty much most areas of our lives, sexuality, is, is something that we often just completely don't think about at all. We assume that we have attractions and that those are set in stone. I am this person and I like this type of person. But where do those attractions come from? Where, at what point were they planted or were they always there? We're gonna get into that today and I really hope it helps you figure out what your attractions are, whether you find that they are helpful to you in achieving your goals, and if you wanna change them, how to do that. So let's hop in and get deep into the weeds of what is attraction. Welcome back, everybody, to Love, Life, and Legacy with Sammy Uyama and Andrew Love. You see how I did that? I didn't even, I didn't even let you introduce yourself. I just butt my works. little head in It's there. fine. <laughs> and today, Hi. Sammy is still here. I couldn't get rid of him. I keep on trying every week to just speak so much that his brain explodes, but I have yet to accomplish my goal. And... We what, what was the official title, Sammy? What was the official title of this? I'll explain it. Today we got a thinker. This is a for us an interesting topic. We, we wanted. I think we'll discover in today's episode that we need to do follow-ups to this because we don't cover everything. And we wanted to talk about manufactured attraction mm. and how different things socially, the way we grew up, how they they shape us sexually and, and what we're drawn towards. And so today we want to talk about specifically about pornography, how porn shapes what we like sexually. Yes. And today is we've we've got a new sponsor. Before the sponsors of our episodes were the word amazing, which definitely <laughs> sponsored and things. I realize Sammy uses the word things a lot. Um so we've we've moved on, right, Sammy? And Today's episode is sponsored by the word manufactured. Let that stick in your mind. Manufactured. Yes. And the reason I, I, I mean, I think about this a lot um, because specifically, where do our thoughts come from? Where do our desires come from? How much is natural? How much is infused and kind of planted in, in our subconscious and in our conscious mind? And how much of a say do we have? And how much of a say do we want to have in terms of the things that we like and dislike? Um, because at a very base level, most people just believe that they are what they are. They're just the byproduct of history and how they think and how they feel is just the result. And that's what you get. And mm -hmm. I think that's just the biggest load of nonsense. And I've come to realize that and I just... I want people to kind of see, peel back the layers of, of what drives them, even sexually, what what causes them to be attracted. So I'm excited personally to talk. Are you excited, Sammy, to talk about this? Yeah, yeah, because that, that's the main issue that you just hit the nail on the head. It's that people don't think deeply about oh, what draws me to this and you know mm. why am I in, into that and and just taking for granted that 
it is what it is. But the, the fact of the matter is that we can have more control and we can shape ourselves to uh, love. And, and ultimately where we want to go with this is, is nurturing attraction to one. And that's ultimately what we want. There's no need to have a type or a style that we like, but learning mm. how to be so enamored and in love with one individual and everything sure. about that person just lights you up. And so, you know, we, we're doing some, uh, we're working on our Hunoke book project and in the Hunoke was talking about how uh, you're just so enamored and in love with someone that even when they're ugly, crooked nose, they, they, they're, they're so self-conscious about and you just think it's the perfect nose for them and you wouldn't want it any other way. And if, when, if someone, like uh, if the woman feels that she, she's self-conscious how short she is and just wishes she could be taller, but you just love how, how you just love her height and you actually wish that she could be shorter so you could fit her in your pocket and bring her around with you everywhere. <laughs> and it's such, a, it's such like a, a, I don't know, like a warm, tingly way of dealing with attraction rather uh, just that, yeah, I feel good about it. What about you? <laughs> yeah, well, I think one, one good kind of framework to think about in, in, if you want to take a step back, is first think about what do you like? And then look at do you want to like what you like? And then understand that you can change it if you want to. And how to go about doing that is we can get into that. But um, just understanding, first of all, what what do you like? Um, you know, there's this is this is really interesting because. Um, culture definitely shapes that. And you and I were talking and like, there's definitely a period of time when boobs, in terms of like men's attraction to women, boobs had like a, a zero effect on men. They were just this functional piece of flabby meat on a woman, you know, formed fat, if you will. Uh, no different than say a love handle, just in a different part of the body. Uh, but what was really what would drive men wild were those ankles. Woo, those ankles. Look at those ankles. Uh -huh. Woo, that girl's got curves on her foot, baby. Woo, that that place between the foot and the sh what shin. Good Lord. <laughs> the midsection I'm sure right if you're, there. When you're, when you're really into it, you have a, you're, you're a lot more eloquent in describing that little Piece of well, that probably has a skin. it probably has a name, you know. It's like the cleavage has a name. the The area between the shin and the upper foot probably had like a the scut, something like that. The scut. Look at that scut. <laughs> There's a slang that guys would use. To... Yeah, when they're hanging out in the back alleys, getting bitten by rats like they used to in the old England, <clears throat> just with scurvy or whatever they had. And uh, but the the point is like culture really defined what men obsessed about in terms of, of a woman, right? Um, in terms of objectifying the opposite sex. You know, and for women, I guess, it was like, wow, look at that, how tall that guy's hat is <laughs> back then. It was like, that dude has a really tall hat. I could probably fit in that hat. That's, that's a real oh, man. That, that or I could curl up inside of that man's belly. Yeah. There, I could fit four children in that man's mustache. Look at that man. He's a real man. So, but, and, but the first element is like, yeah, culture. How much, how much of like even just basically what we're attracted to is, 
is cultural uh, because I know a lot of people like, oh, I like, I like women or men who have tattoos all over their body. Well, you think that was, that was the case 50 years ago? Definitely not. Tattoos were for like gang, it was for, it was for sailors and like gang members. Yeah. Or, or tribal people in, in, you know, remote parts of Africa or South America, I believe. Um, but it, it was not like a form of attraction, but now it's like this, there's whole magazines of women in bikinis who are, who have tattoos all over their bodies. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's one thing to think about is like, how much does culture influence what we think we're attracted to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, cause there's the overall societal attraction and then there's our individual attraction and how each of those are shaped and, and we're not saying like all our episodes we're not pointing the fingers at anything being like oh this is this is good or this is bad it's just wanting to stay, take a step back and to look at so for you where do these things come from and that's why I wanted to talk about porn because as a connection to culture's influence on our attraction because as far as sexual attraction goes that definitely is the largest driver and what and and shaping people's attraction in this area yeah yeah it's imprinting that that whole idea of imprinting is so crucial to understand because there's obviously positive imp- imprints, but there's also a lot of negative imprints so one such thing is you know to be to be hurt by somebody who is a certain way it's very easy to have this deep subconscious imprinting like deep in your heart where every time you see somebody who acts like this person, you just automatically form an opinion, a negative opinion about that person. But in terms of sexuality, you think about imprinting as like the first time you're exposed to sex and all that it entails, that experience, it's embedded in your feelings about sex. So like for a lot of people, their they're, they're first exposure to sex is hardcore porn. And it happens when they're little kids. And they're confused and they're afraid, but they're also very much attracted and and drawn to this thing, whatever it is, right, What that they're watching. And those emotions all become coagulated and a part of this confusing, jumbled experience of I'm turned on, but I'm also afraid. I don't know what's going on, but I want more of it. I I am angry and I'm going to use that and it's all like this weird nasty thing and it's like part of this imprinting process right that you're not just coming in free and clear when you start the ideal would be to have just you start a relationship you're married and then you just create sex out of nothing you build from scratch but in our modern era you have to understand what what has imprinted an impression upon your mind your heart your spirit in regards to sexuality well in terms of imprinting let's let's get personal i mean were there anything that you feel really shaped your your i guess sexual viewpoint or your attraction growing up that you can remember specifics mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so uh, and this also, in reflecting on this, it makes me all the more grateful for the work I did in cleaning my sexual slate, if you will, my palate, cleaning out all the junk of my my history with pornography and masturbation. And so, because by the time when I got married, is having that slate you're talking about that that blank canvas to create your sexual experience together with another person. 
And I think that has been a saving grace for my wife and I in our marriage because what my wife is and who I'm really attracted to and I'm totally in love with uh, is very different than what I would have said I was attracted to as a teenager. And so if I had that baggage coming in, I'd imagine it would have made a lot of, it would have, been, it would have made things difficult. It just would have been something to have to, to work through and deal with in a relationship, which is much harder than when you're single. So when I was in high school, I definitely was really into that, the talking about tattoos, the, oh, like the, the badass girls kind of thing, like the, the belly button rings, the nose rings, and, the, and I was like, oh yeah, that's hot. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know, this, that's what I thought was attractive, and that's why I, want, sure. I was interested in, in looking for. And I mean, looking back, it's really, for me, cringeworthy. It's like, I, I find no appeal in any of that whatsoever. Uh, but that was, and that was definitely the kind, a lot of the kind of porn that I was watching, especially a lot of the early porn had, I mean, these women had a lot of those elements and that kind of hooked on me and that, or that imprinted on me, just like you were saying. Mm. And that was uh, definitely something that I became like a qualifier for myself. Like um, if, it does, if, that, if that's not in the mix, then I'm not interested. Yeah, I mean, when you're going through this process, think about like you, you're forming this opinion. So it goes from a feeling to an opinion. Oh, I am... I like this type of person, right? And so therefore you're disqualifying other type of people. Oh, I don't like this type of person because they're prudish or because they're whatever, too straight laced. I like the the rebel girl or whatever. Um, and you it's it's becoming a story that you're convincing yourself of, right? That you are attracted to this type of person and not this type of person, purely based off of a combination, I guess, of probably movies that you watched or music that you're listening to. Uh, mm-hmm. And also this, this, these emotional things that I'm sure factor into it, right? Like, like uh, seeing strong women, take charge woman. What does that say? It, you know, there's, there's, there's something to be said about all those elements. So I want to, I want to, I want to, um, this whole, I, I remember one time in college, there's a conversation I had with one of my really good friends. Uh, and, it really brought this point home to me at that moment. I, rem- I remember talking to him, and he just said this. He just said something about how he just he had a weakness for for women in, in red dresses. He's just like, oh man, that just like I can't, you know, I can't. That just gets me. And I remember thinking that that is really unusual. It's like that's there's nothing unique about red dresses that would have someone, you know, get weak in the knees. But somehow that's just something he he'd convinced himself, or or not not necessarily convinced himself, but just through conditioning, that was something that he learned was attractive for him. And sure, it really and that and that was just an experience that made me reflect on how these kinds of things really takes back takes the humanity out of people when you hmm. you simplify someone down just to their accessories. Or parts of them. Yeah, I like right. I like this shape of body, or I like this sh- this type of hair. It's not about what drives them; it's about the the expression of their external form. And it's and people get so uh, people build entire tribes around these these attractions. It's like you know where you gather together and hang out and talk about being into something or whatever it is. Anyway, but but what about yourself, Andrew? What have you uh, in, in talking about this? Looking at your own experiences growing up, what have you? What did you notice? Just a very recent <laughs> model 
is repetition, right? So there's a lot of psychologists who are pro pro porn. They have their own agenda, and they really they they say you know video games when you murder a bunch of people that has no effect on your psychology, and porn watching thousands and thousands of images has no effect on your experience of sex, which to me is like the it's the most polar opposite to what could be reasonable uh, in terms of a thought process. But one example, clear example, is like I'm in, I'm still in Bali at the time of this recording, and everywhere I go here, there's young young men who have bleached hair. You know, they're Asian and they have dark hair uh, naturally, but then they they will bleach their hair, and I've seen it so many so many times that. I used to bleach my hair when I was younger, right? Uh, when I was like 13, 14 kind of thing. And I've, I've asked my wife in the past month, honey, can I bleach my hair? Because <laughs> I just keep on seeing it as the stupidest thing. It would not be in my mind at all, at all. I wouldn't be thinking, I don't care about my hair. But all of a sudden I see it everywhere. I was like, ah, oh, that looks really cool. And I was like, honey, can I have asked her like three or four times. And the first few times, she's like, yeah, go ahead. And then the third time I asked, she was like, wait, are you asking to bleach your hair? And I, I have no idea what she thought I was asking before. But she's like, no, that's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> and I, I could just see that it went from the seed was planted, right? And then the repetition just was sowing the seed, sowing the seed until I until I wanted... I wanted to be a part of it somehow. And that's that's what fashion is. It's like, you know, one person has this weird type of pants and they're a weirdo, but then you see two people, but then you see a really cool person and they've bought into it. And then it just becomes a trend and everybody's wearing skinny jeans all of a sudden or baggy jeans or whatever. It also defined so much of what I thought I was attracted to, you know, in terms of girls too, um, or young ladies, as I should say. Um, and it was all happening behind the scenes without me really knowing it. And I can I can clearly remember, yeah, I liked same. I don't know what it was about nose rings, but that became like this cool, attractive thing. And I don't know subcon I'm sure there's some psychoanalyst that could that could rip apart our brain and say, Oh, it's because your mother didn't hug you enough when you were younger or something like that, right? Um, Is a psychologist but, um, Italian? <laughs> that's, that's German, right? Come on. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, always German. Understand. Yeah, it's, it's, there's something there, you know? And I guess a lot, so much of it is repetition. But if you think about what porn is, you don't see one image per year of porn. Per session, people are watching hundreds, if not thousands, of different images of sex. And that's numbing you to what you used to think and feel and it's reproducing new thoughts and new feelings where you're becoming oriented, acquainted, normalized. These images have become what, not only what you think is normal but what you kind of come to expect. And you kind of hear the science behind this stuff but it's hard to relate to unless you really think about, wow, I've been exposed to the same thing again and again until I want that. And I and anyway that that whole hair bleaching thing just really landed home because I was wondering where where is this urge coming from? But I would say the same thing is true of and you and I were talking about this and we're gonna go there, people. We're gonna go there. Um, things like anal sex, um, which is just such a it was such a an abnormal event to take place up till you know say the eighties especially. Uh, and and 
all the readings that I've and conversations with different people who've studied this, you know, a lot, um, will say the same thing. Before it was gross and nasty and dirty and like definitely not a part of a heterosexual relationship. And um, there's a lady actually that just gave a presentation re- recently about this phenomena, and it's really, to me, the the perfect example of repetition, repetition, repetition. You see it enough? Oh, that's interesting. Repetition. That's kind of gross repetition. Actually, that's kind of normal repetition. Actually, I kind of want that repetition, repetition. And it goes both for men and women where in, you know, in terms of the desire to have it. And again, we're not saying it's good or bad. What we're saying is where do you even get these desires from in the first place? (laughs) Well, the second part is... (laughs) is talking about, do you want to, right? So transitioning into, okay, you have these desires. Let's say you think you like Asian women, or for a woman, you think you like tall, skinny men, whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, That's the what. And then the second question is, well, do you want that, right? And so Sammy, would you like to speak on that point? Like, what are the advantages or disadvantages to having such specific niche desires? Wow, gosh. I mean, one thing is that we did, we did an episode on this, um, on simple versus complex sex, right? and how the, the more niche you go and the more complex things need to be, the more intricate, the harder it is to have really fulfilling sex. And that... It's all about you're all it's all about getting that right move or that right feeling and that you're totally out of the moment and it's totally not about the experience with another person where it's it's all about this the the object of it rather than this I, I don't know this this connected experience with someone else maybe you can speak yeah. on at that point a little bit more but another thing is that you're especially if you want to you know this whole podcast, a huge um, assumption and, and backbone of everything we do is that having a committed, lifelong partnership and sexual relationship with someone is a, a important qualifier for a, a satisfying, fulfilling life and a, and a happy mm-hmm. life. And so the two different things you can do, you could be someone that just bounces around. You have the thing you like and then you... Uh, find one person fulfills that, and then you find the next person that fulfills that, and you go through life as an individual solo, and you get to a point where you just start feeling lonely, and you're not as charming as you used to be, and you get older, and you're not as relevant as you're feeling, and so you get start to become desperate even. But so it's one option, and the other option is that. Um, you are so attached to what it is that you want and that you demand that you're attracted to that you, okay, then best case scenario, you find that. And then the whole relationship is pending on that other person still having that. And it's nothing to do with, and it's nothing to do with uh, what is it that you can give to the other person, but it's all centering on, okay, this person gives this attraction to me. That's why, I'm going to be in this relationship with them. Mm. And as soon as that's gone, then what what's left of your commitment? Yeah. Right. And I know uh, it, it's I know many uh couples that deal with this issue where, you know, you've got a guy that really wants to be a good husband, wants to be a good father, 
is wants to stick it out in the relationship, but they struggle so much um, not feeling attracted to their spouse. And, you know, that's also tough, right? And it's like, and they just resign themselves to feeling, okay, I'm, this is just what my marriage is going to be like. Yeah. You know? And guess where guess where affairs come from, right? Oh, you're mm-hmm. not this mm-hmm. thing that that you used to be, so therefore I'm going to keep on looking for this thing that I'm obsessed with that has nothing to do with the humanity of the person, but this need that I want fulfilled, you know. Yeah, so well, I think what you're talking about is a bit is is acting. It's it really sounds like if you go back to when we're kids and we saw a really impactful movie. For for me, I clearly remember watching the Ninja Turtle movies with my friends at a birthday party, and then we went outside to their backyard and played Ninja, where we all, you know, fought over being Michelangelo and tried to kick each other in the head, and it was great, great time, right? And the fun there is that in your imagination, you're becoming the characters that you saw on the screen that were so strong powerful, cool, exemplified the things that you wanted. Now skip ahead, you know, 20 years or whatever, and what do you think porn is doing? You're seeing actors on a screen, and then you want to emulate the feeling you got when you watch them, looking at them when they look so empowered and strong, so they they are powerful, or whatever, whatever you want to be, like you feel like they embody that somehow. And so while you're acting you also want the other person that you're acting with to act as well so that you can fulfill that fantasy that that it's really just chasing a fantasy right and so um to me that's that's the extent of when somebody when you want somebody to do something it's because they're you want them to emulate the way that the actor or actress acted on screen so that you get the same feeling that they were doing so that little kids do that right Little kids watch movies and say, oh, yeah, I want to play husband and wife or whatever. Uh, but adults do that too with porn. It's the, same, it's the same reflexes. It's the same instincts. It's just at a higher level. The point is, like, do, do you want these things to be, to be in your life, these kinks? And do they serve you, especially over the long run? Because like you said, Sammy, people change and we get older and when we're in a when we were playing the long game with somebody they're going to change their views their emotions their bodies definitely are going to change but generally speaking people people evolve they change and so if the goal is to act out a fantasy it's like you'll never be able to sustain that over any any amount of time but if your goal is instead to adapt to being a better giver to that person in your relationship, then you will always win. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just changing. And I think the the biggest thing that we want to drive home is just not this concept or this theory of it's, you know, think about it this way, but it's actually possible. And it creates the most exciting kind of relationship where you are focused on being a giver, a go-giver, right? Yeah. Both. And and through giving, you nurture love and attraction to someone. And that's a, and that's an actually really an interesting phenomena. And shout out 
to a couple instances, specific instances of this being extremely real. One was the interview that you did with Gene Honeycutt. And that's that's one of the podcasts that we have here. And if you haven't listened to that, I recommend going back. And he that was that was entire sexual orientation that he was attracted to men, but he wanted a family. And he worked through all these emotions of a what it is that I feel. B do I want these feelings? Are they serving me and my desires of life in general? And then C how do I go about reorienting myself so that my desires are serving my goals, right? Um, so he like is living proof of that. The second thing is uh, something we learned at the Set Free Summit a few years ago, and that is the idea of not being a heterosexual or a homosexual, but to be a, like in your case, it would be an sexual, and for me, it would be a Uyunga sexual. It's like just to have really your sexual orientation geared towards one person, and that's 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 possible. I mean, it's definitely possible. And Uncle David and Aunt Mitzway are 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 living testament to that. Largely, is that it's like reserving the right to be sexual with one person only, right? Yeah, that that's, sounds beautiful. <laughs> well, it's possible. So I mean, that then that gets into okay. The first one was what are you attracted to? So everybody, if you're listening to this, please really step back and and look at. What, what do you think you're attracted to? What do you feel that, that, that you're attracted to? And then second, um, do you want to be? Is it serving you to be attracted well, to this that, one? Yeah, and where, where, what are you attracted to and where did that come from? Seeing if sure. you can trace that back somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then asking, Does this, do I want this? Yeah. Do I want to keep this or do I want to let this go? And then based on your answers, uh, if you do want to change, then, then how do you go about doing it? Um, so, Sammy, you were talking about a process that you went through um, in your late teens to kind of reorient yourself. So, what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's like a just going through a what do they call it? A cleanse? Is that it? Like when you flush sure. out your system? A detox? There we go. Going through a detox mm. and flushing out your system and all these. Those baggage of attract, sexual attraction that we have—it's all—it's all inputs. So I mean, the first step is cutting those out. So that's mm. a huge part of the importance of getting rid of porn before going into a relationship with someone, because you're definitely going to be bringing a lot of concepts from that. Cutting that out, and then giving yourself time to flush it all out. You know, I, I think more than anything, it's a—it's a, uh, having the necessary time for. This you know this stuff to go through our system. It's like uh, neurologically, we make these connections between a certain object and then this feeling of attraction that we have. These these uh, chemical boosts of dopamine, yeah. and etc. And the more often we do this, then the closer these neurons are. The, the it's like the stronger the connection between these things. And so the less often we rely on those neuron reactions, then. It's like a path that doesn't get used and it gets worn out slowly, slowly, and then the weeds start to grow in and then doesn't uh, pull us the way that it used to. And so there's, there's the, the pulling out, the cleaning out part. And then the building part is just, when, if you're in a relationship with someone, just focusing on giving to that person and, and just being elated by them and 
being excited by them and serving them and lo- serving, loving them and whatever that looks like, if that's serving them or saying nice things yeah. to them, whatever, but just like, what can I do to really love this one person and make them feel like my king or my queen and invest all of your energy in that one thing. And then you become uh, the ultimate goal is of a, a attracted to one where I become an ego sexual, you become a Uyanga sexual Uncle David, he's a, a Mitzi sexual. <laughs> that sounds like some cosmic uh, classification. Um, yeah, well, you know, practically speaking, our, our friend, our mutual friend, Leighton, um, I remember him testifying to this very, um, this process where he just made a billboard, you know, like a corkboard billboard thing. And he just loaded it up with pictures of his wife. And he just obsessively looked at it and, and, and conditioned his brain to feel loving feelings all the time. Like he would just spend a lot of time looking at it, falling in love with pictures of his wife uh, to, to orient his brain to just fully love her and adore her and obsess about her. And some people might think that that's weird. Let me ask you what's weirder, staring at pictures of your wife and falling in love with them or staring at videos of random actors having sex with each other for money. <laughs> I'll, I'll just venture that it's probably healthier to no. stare at pictures of your wife. And Yeah, much. Uh, I'm glad you clarified. I would be, I'd be quite alarmed if someone had uh, filled up an entire billboard with pictures of their wife and just like put it on the highway somewhere. <laughs> well, that'd be cute. <laughs> I think that'd be a good anniversary present. Um, but for single people, like if you don't have that specific person in mind, then that's even, that's a really good time to not worry about physical attributes. And trust me, porn is conditioning you so much to crave after certain physical attributes, but instead to, um, start thinking and feeling like a a sense of connection to certain characteristics, you know, virtues, about people and the more that you get clear about the type of virtues that you want to embody and that would you would like to have in a in a partner the more that um it'll become apparent when you meet these kind of people or not um and it'll be based on something that like your character versus your personality character is like long term personality comes and goes it's all it's all over the place but it's it's like the um the water that that is much deeper and goes below the surface that's much sturdier than the waves that flicker on the surface so um practically speaking yeah it's just learning to to understand how much we've been programmed by relentless images from media um all over the place and say well is that serving me and then what would i rather fill my mind with you know and so if you're, if you're a, a man uh, and, and you're single, it'd be really good to read about strong women in history, amazing women throughout history, and what type of virtues did they uphold, and um, learning how to have a healthier relationship to looking at women rather than looking to take from them, but rather how do you celebrate the whole woman instead of just objectifying them for their body parts? Fantastic. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you to take a woman's lit course. By the way, that's uh, that's not <laughs> that's its own thing. But um, change my major. Yeah. Women's. Yeah. It's fundamentally. We will do an entire episode um, 
on reprogramming the mind, neuroplasticity, this kind of stuff, because I'm obsessed with it. I know we could get a lot of really good interviews with people who, who study this a lot, but um, actually I was talking to somebody just the other day who's a professional and that, that's what she does. Um, she helps people reprogram their subconscious mind, which is super cool. But just all you need to know is that you can do it if you want. But first, you have to get an awareness of where you're at and whether that's something that you want or not. And then start peeling back the layers of which aspects are worth keeping and which aspects are worth throwing away. Um, because I myself, you know, I had a totally different life growing up and I dated and all that. And so what I did was just, you know, I, I removed myself from everything. I stopped, you know, I stopped masturbating, stopped doing everything for like three years just to understand myself and figure out where do my thoughts come from and which ones are good and which ones are not healthy and how do I start choosing thoughts. And when you give yourself that space, you start to reclaim your yourself, your mind, your heart, and all that. And just you need to know that it's possible. Um, it, it absolutely is. Um, but it takes a little bit of work. Sammy did it. Yeah. And now he's a very confident lady, and I did it, and now I'm a very confident man. <laughs> so, wait, back to our checklist. So, uh, one was take stock. Where, what are you attracted to? Where did that come from? Step two, do you want that? Step three, what's after that? No, you, you inserted a step, an addendum 1B, which was uh, are they serving you? Are they good or bad? Right? What do you what do you like? And then is that is that helping you or not? And then what would you rather be? And then how do you go about making the changes that you need to make? Okay, and we'll go deeper into all of these. The main thing we wanted to convey today is that it's possible. Just the, the, the bring up the, the concept and the idea of attraction, where does it come from? And it's possible to redirect your attraction into a direction that serves you best. Yeah. And you have to define what that means too. We, I mean, if if your best means to be in a relationship that only gets better and better every day, that where every year that you're with this person, you only are more and more deeply in love with that person. If that's something that you want, then you have to really look at um, you know, the elements of what would support a relationship of such a nature. But maybe you don't want that. Maybe you want to just go from brothel to brothel, in which case this might be the wrong podcast for you. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, that's fine, but uh, just anyway, not, this is probably <laughs> not going to be the most enjoyable place for you to hang out. Uh, yes, so we are going to leave it here for now. We will definitely go more into detail on some of these issues because... Um, it's a really important topic that if you can do, if you can curate your life in the area of sexuality and feel the way you want to feel and have a healthy relationship with sexuality to the extent that um, it only brings you joy and it only brings you closer to God and to yourself, um, your true self, um, we, we want to provide you with as many details as possible. But we first have to plant the seed to let you know that it is, in fact, possible to curate a life. Um, and it's a process. And everybody, it's, it's the purpose of our life to really create a masterpiece of a life, to curate 
the life of your dreams as an offering. Say, hey, I, I was given this many days on earth and this is what I did with it instead of wasting time and energy doing a bunch of stuff that you don't want to do, that you don't believe in. So, um, yeah, we're just planting the seed of possibility today. Um, do you feel we accomplished that, Sammy? Yeah, I do. The seed has been planted. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you. We hope you have a great week and we will tune in next time. <laughs> uh, we will, you said we will tune in next time. So that's good. <laughs> Are we not? Is that okay? All right. No, it's they will tune. Hopefully, hopefully they will tune in next time. We are okay. We are the tune. They're tuning into us. We will be here. We will be here for you to tune in to next time. <laughs>